feeling it'll be um, maybe a departure or breaking away to some degree what we've been talking about. But uh, we recently had a visitor uh, from another church, a very conservative church, and um, she told my wife that she had 80 or 90 devils cast out of her since she's been born again. And uh, I didn't actually know that she was having this conversation with my wife, but uh, my wife tried to uh, get some help from me, and I just kind of waved her off, just, you know, just fellowship with the lady, hallelujah. <laughs> but uh, afterwards, she told me that's what she had said, or one of the things she had said, and she even implied that, um, you know, she had before been in a church that did not believe that Christians... Um, you know, could have devils. And so when she got into this other church, that this was really the key uh, to her previous spiritual problems. And that, uh, you know, she alluded to the fact that uh, she needed deliverance in this way. And so, uh, of course, you know, I was concerned. I don't know if she told anybody else that here. Maybe she didn't. But, uh, you know, it just dawned on me. I've never really taught on this uh, I would have thought, and I, I still do think that probably all of us would um, have the right answer uh, to that question or would know what the Bible teaches about it, but uh, you should never take anything for granted as a pastor. So tonight um, I'm going to consider this topic, and this is a very controversial topic. It, it's one that has divided Christians and particularly those under the Pentecostal banner for decades perhaps even longer but it's always been something uh, as long as i've been a christian that people have talked about and debated about and there's two you know distinct camps those that believe that christians can be demon possessed or have uh, indwelling spirits and those who don't and there's really uh, nobody in between so we're going to look at this tonight and we're going to pose this popular question can christians have indwelling demons and therefore need those demon spirits cast out of them. Can Christians have indwelling demons and therefore need these spirits, these evil spirits, cast out of them? And of course here and from this pulpit, we believe the, the answer to that question is a resounding no. Absolutely not. But to prove this, we need to go to the Word of God for our answers. So... First of all, we're going to read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You said just because a visitor said that you'd teach on this? Yes. You better believe it. Amen. I'm a shepherd. Praise the Lord. I'm watching for your soul. Amen. And don't listen to me. You may think that it's inconsequential, this type of uh, idea. But wherever there is error, it is going to bring bondage. Wherever there is error, wherever the truth has been ignored or neglected, there is going to be bondage. Amen. So really right now, I believe I could probably take a poll and everybody here would say, I don't believe Christians can have devils. But, you know, have we ever really sat down and looked at this? according to the Word of God. It's just something that you learn not to take for granted. And to go, you know, really, I thought, well, have I ever, I, you know, I've come over the 
a period of time. I was in a church at one time that believed that, and I really, um, I guess I believed it for a while. I didn't think much about it, but as time went on, I began to question it as I became more familiar with the Scriptures, and I saw the fruit of it. Amen? I saw the same people getting, you know, dozens and dozens of devils cast out of them every month. And they weren't any different at all. And so uh, uh, that, of course, caused me to question uh, this doctrine. But uh, it's very important that we, you know, look at these things and measure them according to the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 3 and 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you that's thus saith the word of god amen the christian his body his person is the temple of god and is the indwelling or pardon me the habitation where the spirit of god indwells now turn over to chapter 16 or pardon me chapter 6 and verse 19 What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye had of, have of God, and ye are not your own? Amen. The Christian is to be the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Christian, his person, and his body is a habitation of God. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the Spirit and for the truth, thy word. We pray, Lord, that you would sanctify us and unify us. Lord, with the Word of God, enlighten our mind, Father. Speak to us and our heart. Teach us your ways according to the Bible. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, first of all, tonight, I believe we need to rightly qualify our terms. I believe that's imperative. We need to know what are we talking about here when we use certain terms. And uh, we talk about being possessed of the devil. Well, there's Two Greek words or two Greek phrases uh, that refers to demon possession in the New Testament. One of those Greek words or phrases is found 13 times in the New Testament. And I can't pronounce it, but um, it's usually translated to be possessed by devils. That's pretty straightforward, amen. Uh, the second word, Greek word or phrase, is used eight times and it means to have a devil. And a lot of times it is uh, in the New Testament and the Gospels, it is where they accused, you know, Jesus, that he hath a devil, you know. And so in each of these cases where these two Greek words or, or Greek phrases are used, indwelling evil spirits are either evident, and that's everywhere where there was someone demon-possessed, or implied when they accused Jesus or John the Baptist, of having a devil, they meant that he had or, or they had uh, an evil uh, demonic spirit that was inside of them and motiva motivating or inspiring them. So this is simply what's meant by demon possession. It's not, you know, there's a lot of different terms, and they, in certain camps they would try to make it uh, degrees. But according to the Scriptures, if you have... One indwelling demon spirit, amen, if he lives in you, if you're a habitation of a devil, then that is what's meant here by the term demon possessed. So, now of course, I do believe that there are a lot of people that have more than one devil, amen, and uh, I, I believe that's obvious. I believe that our culture 
is for the most part demon-possessed. And I believe there are a lot of sinners, not necessarily all sinners, but there are a lot of sinners that uh, have indwelling demon spirits inside of them. Well, what do we mean by the term Christian? Well, I think we would understand that, but I want to cover that ground. We mean those individuals who have repented of their sin, taken responsibility for their own actions, repented, turned away from sin, both in behavior and in principle, have exercised faith in the finished work of Christ, and whereby they have been converted or regenerated. They have been changed supernaturally into a child of God. Well, what do we mean by indwelling demon? We mean an evil spirit living inside the human being that must be cast out, that needs to be cast out. Now, there's no question that demons can live inside of sinners. That's a, a biblical absolute, something that we don't even question. It's presented in the Bible. Moreover, we would agree tonight that it's possible for demons to influence, to tempt, to oppress, to buffet, and to otherwise oppose Christians. And it is a real threat. The, the enemy, the adversary, Satan, he walketh about as a roaring lion. He seeks whom he may de devour. And so we would be foolish and naive to overlook that we have a spiritual foe. Amen. And we're fighting a demonic battle many times against the devil. But that's a, a totally different type, you know, idea than a demon spirit living inside of you. Does everybody understand the warfare for the Christian uh, in regards to the demonic realm is from without? From without. Amen. So uh, the real question tonight is, can demons indwell a believer so as to necessitate the need for deliverance? And this is a very, very common, you know, thought in Pentecostal churches, not really so much the old line Pentecostal churches as it would be in the charismatic churches or neo-Pentecostals. How many of you have been around people that believe this, that, you could, that a, a Christian could have a devil? How many of you have ever been in a church where that was taught or believed? Amen. Well, maybe just us. Hallelujah. Some of you may not know. Jerry, I believe you were, huh? Right, but I'm sure they believed it. Amen. <clears throat> and probably your church did as well. But they uh, probably didn't talk about it much. But um, nevertheless, Amen. We're going to look here tonight, five biblical reasons I'm going to give you why this cannot be true. Five biblical reasons, and there's probably, this is not exhaustive, but this should settle any doubt in anybody's mind if there's any doubt here. Five biblical reasons why Christians cannot possibly have indwelling demon spirits. Number one, throughout the scriptures, whenever you read and survey the Bible, you recognize that God always condemns mixture, especially a mixture of the sacred and the demonic. That is especially hated by the Almighty. When you begin to mix that which is divine with that which is demonic. 1 Corinthians 10, 20-21, But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Now that's, 
That's the Holy Ghost. That's the mind of God. It's not the will of God that you would have fellowship with demon spirits. Amen. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Amen. So when we consider the old covenant, you think about the old covenant and you look through all the types and the shadows and the examples that are given to us there. And every time that Israel began to dabble with idolatry, and idolatry is to fellowship with the demonic. Amen? The things that the Gentiles sacrificed, they sacrificed unto devils. That doesn't mean they say they were sacrificing or necessarily said or confessed that they were sacrificing to devils. They were sacrificing to some pagan god, some entity that behind it all there was a demon. So whenever Israel began to dabble with idolatry, begin to, you know, bring idols into the temple, then God was quick to withdraw his presence. In fact, I don't recall anywhere in the Old Testament where God's presence was manifested to the people unless all idolatry was cleansed. There may be a time or a season, amen, where God withheld uh, judgment or, you know, was long-suffering toward them before he, you know, completely uh, uh, revealed his wrath. But I'm talking about manifested his presence and blessing. I don't know of a time in the Old Testament account where God did that and idolatry or the demonic was not dealt with. Amen. In Deuteronomy 32, 16 through 20, speaking of about the children of Israel when they fell into idolatry says they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods with abominations provoked they him to anger they sacrificed unto devils not to God to gods whom they knew not to new gods that came newly up whom your fathers feared not of the rock that begot thee thou art unmindful and has forgotten God that formed thee and when the Lord saw it he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. Amen? Children in whom is no faith. So, you know, what's your point, preacher? I'm trying to say, if God took such a strong and stern stand when they were fellowshipping with devils from without. How much greater if a demon spirit was actually in the body and the Old Testament tabernacle being a type of the New Testament temple, which is the body of Christ and individually, amen, the human person. Moreover, it stands to reason that if God utterly forbid the demonic from the Old Testament tabernacle, how much more the new New Testament habitation of the Spirit. Amen. If he wouldn't allow the devil in the tabernacle, he's not going to allow the devil in you and I. Amen. Would God command New Testament believers to be to not be unevenly yoked with unbelievers and then allow demons to live inside of them? That's a question you have to ask yourself if this is true. Would God command you, don't be yoked with the world. Be separated from the world and then allow the devil, the very spirit of Satan, to dwell inside of our person. Second Corinthians six fourteen through 16 says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Oh, well. 
Well, God, it does. Well, we've got to ask this question. If, if it was true that demons could live inside of, you know, this temple. Because then we could turn around and say, well, there's going to be a little. Until we leave this body, we'll always have a devil inside of here with the Holy Ghost. So you at least have that much fellowship, a God, with the devil. Because you're living inside of me, both of you. No, God could ask this question because he knew there was an absolute answer. Amen. And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Thus to suggest that the Holy Ghost could inhabit the same temple as a demon spirit is not only contrary, amen, to the Scriptures, but it's illogical to think that light and darkness could fellowship together. Number two, a biblical definition of regeneration negates demon infestation. Just to understand, and listen to me, this is really the root problem in the church in regards to, you know, a, a Christian being demon-possessed because they really don't know what it is to be born again. That's why they have strange views about the Christian and a Christian's relationship with sin because they don't understand what conversion is. Well, it's the same thing for their understanding of the devil and the relationship the believer has with Satan or with the demonic realm. Colossians 1 and 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Thank God. That's the company I want to be part of. Amen. I've been delivered from the power of darkness. Amen. And have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son you know there's many scriptures in the bible that teach the absolute transformation that takes place at conversion and this is the whole thing that has been you know uh, de-emphasized or overlooked or ignored or purposely you know reinterpreted that there is a complete and total transformation when a man is born again but um, I want to just look here and measure this or meditate upon this thought about Christians having de uh, devils. I just want to meditate and measure this against 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Amen. A very familiar verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, and old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, I want you to just think through this with me. If a man is demon-possessed or demon-infested, if he has devils inside of him, it stands to reason that he got in such a condition while living in sin. Don't you believe that? I mean, he didn't get devils by praying and fasting. Amen. He got devils by living in sin. So if he's got devils, and this is exactly what they believe. I know they believe this because... Uh, you know, I was part of a church that believed this, and people like this sister, and I don't, I'm not saying the woman was necessarily unsaved, I'm just saying she had the wrong idea. But she was saying it was from her sinful life as a sinner, that these were devils. She got born again, but yet because there was no one to cast the devil out of her, she still had a problem with these 80 or 90 devils. If you got 80 or 90 devils live inside of you, you're going to have lots of problems, I guarantee you, amen. But I promise you this, if you got that many devils inside of you, you need to get born again. Because Jesus is not going to keep house with 90 devils. And 90 devils don't want to have nothing to do with him. Amen. They're not going to stay in the same house. 
But they believe, amen, that this is something from their past. Or, obviously, someone could backslide and go into the world or go into sin and in an unrepented state. And we believe that that's certainly possible. We just wouldn't say that people could have devils and be right with God. Thus, if demon infestation is part of the old life, then according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, if a man is truly in Christ, this is passed away. Is that right? I gotta believe that. Amen. That's what the Bible teaches. If I, if I had 80 devils or 90 devils as a sinner and I get born again, then I'm a new creature in Christ. All that's passed away, done away with. Jesus had to take, listen to me, for me to get born again, I've got to forsake my sin. I've got to renounce the devil. I've got to agree with God that that life is under judgment. There's nowhere else for that devil to live if that old life is nailed to that cross. Because that's where he's going to stay. He's going to stay in that carnal flesh, that carnal nature. You put that away, the devil's got nowhere to live. Amen? So that's what they believe. They believe that, you know, when a man comes to Christ, he may need uh, to be uh, the devil cast out of him. And I believe that, obviously, people do need the devil cast out of them. The issue is... Once they're born again, the devil has had to go. you got to get that out before he can come in. Amen? Hence, those that are demon-possessed sinners will be demon-free when they're Christians. That's just a fact. This is likewise consistent with the testimony of the deliverance ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever you look in the Bible, you see Mary Magdalene. That's, she's a believer. She's following Jesus. She had seven devils cast out of her. They're not going to have a meeting tonight to get those devils out of her, to help her out. She's still struggling with this, you know, demon infestation. No, the seven devils were cast out past tense. Amen? When the, when the a man that had uh, the, the legion of devils was cast it says, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Now he's a follower of Jesus. Not before, amen, after the devil was cast out of him. Thus the Bible teaches that those that are born of God cannot be under the authority of Satan. And to have a devil live inside of you against your will. Because if you're a Christian... Listen to me. If you're a Christian, you can't willfully... I, I want the devil to stay here. In fact, Jesus said he gave you all power over the devil. If you're a Christian, you have power over the devil. And if you have power over the devil and you want the devil out, he's got to go. What are these people talking about when they say, you know, I had 80 devils inside of me. You had power over the devil. Why didn't you tell him to leave if that's indeed the truth? No, that's not the way it is. If you're a Christian, friend, you are demon free and you've got the Holy Ghost of God living inside of you. You may have devils here tonight. We've had people here with devils. They weren't born again. If you've got a devil living inside of you, you need to get that devil out of you. Amen. Through the truth, let, let someone cast the devil out of you and then get Jesus inside of you. Amen. First John 5 and 18 says, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Now, if I'm born of God, the devil's not even supposed to touch me. Must live inside of me against my will. He could have forced himself in and said, I'm staying here. You're going to have to get the preacher to cast him out. 
I'm staying here unless you get somebody really with faith. I'm staying right here and you're not going to be able to get And you're a Christian? No. That Jesus is inside of there if you're a Christian. And I tell you what, that devil's not going to tell Jesus that. That devil doesn't want to talk to Jesus in that tone of voice. That devil's going to be begging that Jesus doesn't put him in the fire before the time. Amen? That's the way the devil approaches the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only will Jesus, number three, not only will Jesus refuse to share his abode with devils, demons would never desire to live with Jesus. In the Gospels, that we see, we see that in every encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, devils, every time there was confrontation and there was exposure. Amen? Jesus exposed the devil. And in every example that Jesus encountered people with it, he cast them out. Is that right? You find a place in the New Testament or in the Gospels where someone came full of the devil. Amen. And Jesus said, well, I'm talking about where there was obvious that they were demon possessed. And Jesus refused to cast the devil out. You can't find it. Are we so naive to believe then that the Jesus of the Gospels, the Jesus that refused to tolerate demons in anyone that wanted deliverance throughout the Gospel will live with them in our bodies today? Are we so naive to believe that? You see, if you're a Christian, you cannot say, if you want to say you have devils, or folks out there want to say that they have devils and they're Christians, they have to also say, I want to be delivered. They can't say, well, I really don't want to be. I like, you know, some of my devils. They have to say, I want these things out of me. Is that right? Well, Jesus always casts them out. Well, it's not so much about me. He's in there. Amen? He's in there. He lives inside of me. Amen? And he can indeed put the devil out. Likewise, when demons came in contact with Jesus, they could, they always took control of their host. They began to speak, amen, to possess them, to speak out of the, and I believe this happens all the time to us, and we're not really even cognizant of it. When they're out in the parking lots at Illusions Club at LSU, and they leave us alone. Those are many times demons. Most of the music that we listen to in the world, people sing it. You know, the, 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 guttural voice it was dead devils speaking out of people but you got these folks supposedly in the church that have devils living inside of them and i believe there are people in the church that have devil i believe there's been people here i know there's been people here that have devils inside of them but they weren't born again hey man they weren't right with god no no number four there's not, and this is really the clincher right here, there's not one example, specific or implied, of a Christian having a devil and not one example of one being cast out of a Christian anywhere in the Bible. Not one. Now, you know, I was kind of wondering what, I wonder what arguments, because I've never really, you know, sat down and tried to debate this with people or really discussed it with anybody in too much depth. Uh, and I wondered what kind of, you know, arguments would they have? And so I went on the web and I just, you know, put in that question, can Christians have devils? And amazingly, it was nine to one people believed you could. But the scriptures, the scriptures that they used are, are uh, I mean, like Ananias, that the, that the devil hath filled his heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, you know, well... 
that doesn't imply that, that that's not he's not necessarily demon possessed. Amen. That's you can be tempted. You can be tempted to lie and do so, and you didn't necessarily mean that you're demon possessed. You know, they went in, of course, to the uh, the woman that was healed, and this uh, daughter of Abraham had this spirit of infirmity and that type of thing. But there's no, uh, and they were even, you know, uh, admitting this that there was no inconclusive or uh, conclusive evidence that a Christian could have a devil. And it was very, very, you know, shoddy exegesis, to say the least, and nothing to really stand upon. Well, this is what, you know, we should say to people that would, but there's not one single example of a Christian having a devil in the New Testament and not one example of one being cast out of a Christian. You find that this is a major cog in the theology of the charismatics. It's a very important important thought that many of them have you think something that important wouldn't be you know communicated in the scriptures you know I always say uh, if you look at uh, someone's ministry and what they preach and how they live that there ought to be the same balance in that life for that ministry that you would see in the new testament so when someone is constantly say for example you know uh, uh, talking about prosperity then you would want to see the same emphasis in the new testament epistles Amen? Well, if this was something that important, and of course this was absolutely essential, and we do believe it's part of the gospel to cast devils out of people. I'm not, you know, wrangling with that at all. We know that is the truth. We know there are people that need to be delivered. Amen? And the church should cast devils out. Amen? But uh, the question is, uh, are Christians demon-possessed? Or do Christians have devils? And we know of course, that this is not the truth. So uh, there are, of course, examples of believers giving opportunity to the devil. You see that in the New Testament. But we know the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So if we're going to make this a doctrine, we ought to be able to see it in the Bible. Nowhere in the Gospels is there an example of Jesus casting the devil out of what could be referred to as a believer. Nor is there evidence that the apostles ever did so either. Well, what about the epistles? Can we look at the epistles and can we see that Christians, amen, or it was taught through the epistles that Christians could have an indwelling demonic spirit? Or this was something the apostles taught. Nowhere can you find such a trace of any of that. Never were Christians warned that hindrances in their spiritual walk or or might even be uh, because of indwelling demon spirits. Never even alluded to in the Bible. Thus, the proponents of this doctrine cannot show us one example in the New Testament of this happening to Christians or this being taught to Christians. And that, really, we could close the notebook and go home on. on amen? Because if they're going to come up with a doctrine, then the burden of proof is upon them to be able to validate that by the Scriptures. The fifth reason why this is an impossibility, even if it were possible, and it's not, even if it were possible for a Christian to be demon-possessed, according to the Scripture, it would prove fruitless for the devil. It wouldn't matter anyway. Because the Bible says, He that is in you is greater. Now, notice what the Bible says. He that's in you. Who's he that's in you? 
That's right. Is greater than he that's where? Where is he at? He should have said, well, if this was true, he that's in the way, he's in some of y'all too. No, no. Greater is he that's in you, Jesus, than he that's in the world. So even if this were possible, and I was filled with one million devils, Jesus is stronger and greater than all those devils, and I could just ignore them by grace. So it's a foolish doctrine. What's the difference? Amen. Jesus, listen to me. If, if the, and obviously there is a theological difference because this is the possession of God. Amen. This has been redeemed by the blood. But I'm saying in regards to having, you know, victory over sin, it doesn't even make any sense. It's to deny the power of the gospel. It's to deny the power of the cross. And, and it's to deny the overcoming ability of those who have the grace of Almighty God. Amen. But we see there is a heat that's in us and there is a he that's in the world he that's in the worlds of the devil and he that's in us is the lord jesus christ but in circles where they believe such foolishness bondage to sin is one of the irrefutable signs of demon infestation and this is really dangerous too if there's a besetting sin in an individual if a person, you know, is constantly going out, falling into drunkenness, they're falling into sexual perversion, fornication, adultery, whatever, sodomy, whatever it may be. If there's a, uh, you know, someone who has trouble with rebellion, they'll tell them what it is. It's demons, and you've got a problem with the devil. Well, see, this is totally inconsistent with the rest of the uh, the Bible and the teaching upon grace. Because even if a person had a devil and they had Jesus inside of them, then Jesus would overcome the work of the devil. We all agree to that, Amen. So you see, it's not only unscriptural; it's a foolish doctrine. Well, what would be the repercussions of this false doctrine? What, what would be, you know, the problems that could arise out of believing this? Well, we know it's false, first of all. So whatever, you know, we may not come to some conclusion, though I believe the conclusions are obvious. There's got to be repercussions because it's not the truth. But first of all, one of the repercussions, I believe, is believers are distracted from the real remedy to their problem, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is the answer, amen. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. If you hide the Word in your heart, you won't sin against God. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Sanctify them, amen. Consecrate, sanctify them through thy truth. And thy Word is truth amen but you know in this hour of apostasy as the prophet said there is a famine of the hearing there's a famine of the hearing of the words of god now i believe obviously there could be a twofold meaning to that that it's very difficult to find someone who will preach the truth but you know i i would i've come to the conclusion that it's far harder to find someone who really wants to hear the truth and really wants to be dealt with. So 
Consequently, the winds of false doctrine are a-blowing. Few want to hear of repentance and all that repentance implies. Few want to hear of submission to the Lordship of Christ. And very few still want to hear about discipleship. People want a quick-fix solution to their sin problem without truly subjecting themselves to the Savior from sin, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, and He, we know, is synonymous with the Word of God. Thus, doctrines such as this ultimately divert men's attention to the real remedy found only in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. All I have to do is find somebody with the anointing, let them bring me in a back room, and we'll just go through, you know, a little uh, ritual here, and we'll denounce my past, and we'll find out what kind of curses are on me, and then, you know, you can spit your devils up in a plastic bag, and then you go on and you'll be free. Well, that's very appealing. Because it doesn't require any submission to the Lordship of Christ. When I was a few months old in God, I had an aunt who was in a big charismatic church. And she gave me a book that was very popular at the time. It was called Pigs in the Parlor. How many ever heard of that book? Amen. Very um, wicked, erroneous teaching and really... A one that was, you know, responsible for propagating this whole idea across uh, much of what's called the body of Christ. But, um, you know, she, I had told her my testimony. Now, I'm, you know, as I said to you, I'm in graveyards and eating handfuls of acid. And, you know, I'm involved in sorcery and the demonic. And, and she told me, you, you surely picked up devils doing that. And I believe that. I, I know I had devils inside of me. But she said, you know, and I, but I told her, I don't believe I have a devil inside of me. I believe I got Jesus inside of me. I don't, I'm not conscious of any devil. But she said, you need to just make sure. And there's a man in my church, and he has a deliverance ministry, and I want you to go see him. So I didn't want a devil, and if I had one, let's get rid of him, amen? I was all game for that. So, uh, you know, as a young Christian, I made an appointment with him and went down, and he brought me in a room, and I, this is almost 20 years ago, so it's difficult for me to remember everything about it. But looking back, I can tell you what I do remember. It was stupid. He brought me in a room. He had a, you know, little thing he had made, you know, a little diagram and outline. He explained to me how I had devils and what curses. Did I ever do this? And this curse was on me and that curse. And we would, you know, just pray a little simple prayer. God, I break the curse in Jesus' name. And, and I would renounce it. And yes. And, and then he, he brought out a big garbage can with a big, you know, uh, plastic liner. And he would tell me, he would say, don't you, don't you sense that? This is a demon. I sense a demon. And I Oh, you know, he'd say, well, there, there he is. He's coming up your throat. You need to cough. And I, <coughs> I thought, there, there it is. You've been delivered from lust. And you've been delivered from, you know, anger. And you've been delivered from rejection and whatever it may be. And he, he cast 14 devils out of me, he said. Amen. I didn't sense anything different. I, you know, just stood there, was respectful, and went on. But uh, I, I didn't notice any real difference in my life. But, but the point is, it was foolish and ridiculous. He never did talk to me about submitting myself to Jesus with all of my heart. He never did even discuss with me had I repented of my sins. He never even asked me whether I participated in the sins he, you know, he asked me, have you done this before? He never did even ask me, did I forsake those things? He just prayed over me and, you know, pled the blood and then supposedly cast the devil out of me. Well, you know, if I'd have been keen to that, 
and open to that, I could have got very distracted from the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thus, doctrines such as this ultimately divert men from Jesus. And many follow the empty lies about a promised liberty. Amen. And it says this in the epistle of Second Peter, how they promised them liberty. All the while, these folks have eyes full of adultery, and they cannot cease from sin. But many follow these lies of a, of a liberty with no cost to their own dismay. And they end up many times being discouraged, disillusioned, and jaded. The, thir- the second repercussion that I see from this false doctrine is men are encouraged to blame shift. And people do not need any encouragement in that. Because listen to me, Adam always shifts the blame. And people are very keen when they get cornered to offer up an excuse or offer up a justification or, you know, shift the blame. Or put the blame on somebody else. Put the blame on the circumstances. This is why I have failed to do the will of God. This is why I have not risen to the occasion and to do the uh, uh, expressed or revealed will of God. It's not my fault. That's very common. So nobody needs, you know, that type of encouragement. And I want you to know this is why that I've preached the things that I've preached many times, bringing the thing to a head, telling you, you do not have any excuse, you, me, anybody else, none of us have any excuse to disobey or to fall short of the will of God. We're supposed to be born again. We have the Holy Ghost. And we have the Word of God. Now let me tell you something. As long as you make excuses, whether consciously or unconsciously, as long as you make the slightest excuse why you are not doing the will of God, you will never be set free. Never. Never. You've got to come to a place where you say, I have no excuse. That's different than me standing up here and saying this and you saying, Amen. That's when you get in the situation from day to day and the light comes in whatever, you know, circumstances you're in to reveal that you're not doing what God would have you do or you're doing something God wouldn't have you do. And the first thing that comes out of your mouth because it's in your heart is an excuse. You'll never get set free. Never. You can pray. You pray. Keep praying. And, and I believe if you keep praying, God will show you to repent of your excuses. But you can come to this altar. You can have a thousand people pray for you. you can, you're never going to get set free until you realize that you have no excuse. And you take responsibility for yourself. It's not your husband's problem. It's not your wife's problem. It's not your children's problem. It's not your boss's problem. It's not anybody's problem but yours. And when you face that, then that's the first step of being set free. So see, this is a very, very, you know, insidious and very, very subtle way that this doctrine can come in. And what happens? Well, uh, you know, the devil, he, he's surely one to blame. And since nobody talks to him, he's nobody's brother-in-law, and he's nobody's father or child, then nobody has to get offended. And we can just put it all on him. And indeed, he is the enemy of the church. And he has accountability. And he's going to have to give an account. But I promise you, you know, there was a comedian when I was young. 
His name was Flip Wilson. Some of you may know about him. Some of you may be outdated. Bob knows him. That's why he's laughing. But he used to have a saying. He popularized that saying is, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Amen. The devil didn't make anybody do anything. Amen. That's what the whole doctrine of free will is. Now, it's true. You can get in bondage. You can get bound. But I can tell you, you can trace that back to your responsibility. I got bound by drugs. Amen. And I'm going to keep doing it. But it was still my choice. And no one to blame. Amen. No one to blame but me. Likewise, the false doctrine that teaches that Christians can have devils makes men and Christians a victim of sin. And that's very popular uh, in this hour, as we know, very humanistic, that I'm a victim of the devil or a victim of my circumstances or my past or whatever it may be. I'm not really responsible. Now, people wouldn't come out and say that outright. But until you take full responsibility for your sin, then you cannot truly be cleansed. And the reason, because that, listen to me, that's what repentance demands. Whenever someone, you know, is dealt with about their sin, and as long as they put some of the responsibility on somebody else, then you have to question if their repentance is genuine. Even if someone else did have a hand in it. You know when someone, or you know that when someone comes and says, look, I've sinned, I'm wrong. No, no excuse. No explain. No, I'm not going to present a context why. Then you know someone has really been dealt with. By God, because they don't—they're not coming to try to, you know, make themselves look like, you know, you can understand how I—I I know this is wrong, but you can understand when I tell you the con- how I got caught in this. No. When that happens, you have to question whether they've really repented. Deviant behavior is blamed on Satan and demons, rather, or the individual. Now, there's no doubt that devils are responsible for many things. It's no doubt that devils, demons, the devil himself, is, you know, indirectly accountable for all the sin in the world. That the demons have a part in that. But ultimately, amen, we allowed them to influence us if we sin. And we didn't have to. And that makes us responsible. But see, that's why that doctrine is so dangerous. Because people have not truly, or many times, have not truly taken responsibility for their sin. You know, when people, I read one man where he said, you know, if you're in a church or in a group that doesn't believe that uh, you can have devils after you've been born again, then what happens, you become very discouraged because when you continue to struggle against sin, you know, you just become hopeless. You know, what is that saying? That's, that's t- tell him in right there. You're struggling because someone hasn't delivered you from a devil rather than you haven't really surrendered yourself fully to the Lord. Either the Bible's true or the Bible's a lie. Amen? If God commands you to live free, if God says that I will take out your heart of stone, I'll remove that heart that is given to sin, and I'll give you a new heart, and I'll write my law on your mind, and I'll write my laws on your inward parts, and I'll fill you with the Holy Ghost, and I will cause you to walk in all my way. Either he's a liar, or you can be set free. And if you're not set free, it's because you don't want to be set free. So as a close tonight, and I... I believe that probably most, most everyone here, I'm sure that probably everyone here, you know, wasn't convinced or, 
You know, I didn't really believe that Christians can have devils, but it's just something that we want to make sure that we understand what we believe, amen, and how we can answer. You know, someone says something like, something like that to you, just say, we don't, you know, we don't believe that. Just say, can you show, you don't have to, you say, well, can you show me in the Bible where there was one Christian that was demon-possessed? Can you show me one person in the Bible where Jesus cast the down? You can prove irrefutably that that person was a Christian? Well, we don't believe that. And the reason we don't believe that is because it's not biblical. We don't deny that people can have devils, but not Christians. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, let's stand tonight. Praise the Lord. If you have need of healing, why don't you come forward? We'll pray for you. As we close here tonight, the elders come. We'll anoint you with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. Praise the Lord.